Hey everyone, on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we are speaking with Dave Butler about all things mortgages. And of course, not everything revolves around real estate and mortgages. So we had to take a little bit of a a side tangent and discuss some tequila, um, as well as we tasted a few different tequilas that we had to get an understanding of what our preferences were there. So that was obviously very important as well. But um, uh, Dave's a guy that we've worked with for I want to say decades now. I don't think it's fully multiple decades. Um, Actually, now that I think about it, it is. So we've worked with Dave for decades, has worked with us, a ton of different investors we've worked with as well um, over the years. And just, just, you know, he's our go-to source for this type of stuff. So we talk about interest rates, what we've seen over the last couple of years in the mortgage market, what he thinks is coming. And he's got something cool that he's doing starting March 1st called the Dave Butler 100, which he explains all the details about that. But basically it's helping people get lower interest rates on their mortgages, on their primary residences that they can't normally access. So it's a pretty cool thing that he's doing with that. So that's something you might want to check out as well. And of course, if you like this type of information about real estate, the property markets, the economy, mortgages, uh, you can follow us on Instagram. We're at Rockstar Inner Circle. YouTube, it's the same thing. It's just youtube.com slash Rockstar Inner Circle. And we do these types of conversations in a short form where we just, we share a lot of that type of stuff and we do one-off things there with different reports and different explanation of different things we're seeing in the economy and the markets as well there as well. So if you like that, you're on those platforms and you like that type of information, you might want to check us out there. So with that, we hope you enjoy the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, Dave, you are back. We dragged you back, back here again. You dragged me? Well, it's been a while because we had to drag you back from Europe. (laughs) There was a point in time when I didn't think you were coming back. How long long were you gone for? Three months. Was it only three months? Seemed longer. I think it seemed longer because it felt like you were in a different place every three days. Yeah, well, it definitely felt longer than three months when I was out there. But I think also, then I did... um, the winter thing for like a month and a half in January, February. Oh, you so. did that too. Yeah. And then you were back for a bit. Then you left yeah. again. I think that's what. 2023 was a. Uh, no, but it was cool, man, because you've, you've worked your butt off. You, uh, you, you know, in, in the relatively recent past, you had, you had a, a kid. So you guys, I did. you were able to kind of benefit from the work you put in to, to then kind of adjust things a little bit, spend some time with the family, young families, which is kind of cool, right? I did it backwards, right? So yeah, yeah right. I started the company and then uh, everyone laughs at me because like, wow, you were 43 when you had your first kid. And I'm yeah, like, but yeah, but it's, I get to, I will say this. Yes, it's going to suck, you know, in 10 more years when he wants me to do a lot of stuff and I, my knees are all messed up and all that fun stuff. No, no, they don't have to be. Though. <laughs> they don't have to be. I'm telling you, because I'm seeing it now, like, a, you know, because a lot of people say that. And so I'm 45. Yep. And, you know, I'm still because I work out with a lot of younger guys yeah. regularly and I'm talking guys in their 20s and 30s and have things changed a little bit over some time. But I mean, I'm not I'm not too far behind. Them. You're, sometimes sometimes you're I'm a, one, them a, you're a bit, wonder right? kind. Though. I don't you're, know you're, you're you're selling yourself short. You're like you're in shape like 
for a hundred years and you're only 40 years <laughs> yeah, old. I think it can change. <laughs> yeah. But it, um, but yeah, I mean, but the good side to it too, is that there's a lot of things in place now Yes, that you, so you get to, you know, there's good and bad to everything, right? So you get to experience the family side of things a little bit differently than you would have if you're having a family in your twenties. I'm so, so. I'm, I consider it so lucky, man. Yeah. Honestly, like I would have, and I, sometimes you have to do a self-assessment, right? I mean, I, if I, if I would have had a child in my twenties or thirties when I was that deep into growing and building a business and like my mentality at that time was like, I got to become the number one broker in Canada. And so that was like my goal and I yeah. didn't slow down. And then even when I got to that goal, I didn't even slow. I was like, Hey, now I got to do it for many, many years in a row. And so if I had had a child at that time, I definitely just don't know. I would have been doing someone not enough justice, either than my business or my child, um, or my, you know, or my wife for that matter. But, uh, yeah, no, I think doing it now, I've, I've been so lucky. I mean, who gets to go and spend three months in Europe with their child? You know, he was like, just had turned one and their wife I mean? and my, Oh, of course. Well, yeah, yeah. At the time, well, she was my fiance at the time. So it was yeah. kind of cool. Cause you know, it was the whole point, get married out there. And you know, I'm, I'm lucky. I, I, I scored a Greek, a beautiful Greek goddess. And so it was like natural to go, you know, and I'm, I'm completely uncultured by the way. I mean, if you look at me, well, not, I mean, not anymore. Now that you've no, been around, well, that's the thing bit. I've inherited this, this, this culture. Right. But, um, there's definitely been a shift <laughs> since you guys started dating. There was a, definitely a shift. It was, uh, 100%. You know, we're like, Hey, what happened? Happened to the, all the, the Pittsburgh Steeler gear that Dave used to wear. Where is that? Well, stuff? now she dresses me too. So that's <laughs> another thing. I'm not allowed. Actually, today this is actually me. I dress myself, but I mean, oh, in reality, she, I'm sure she disapproved. She was away. To, she was. She's going to see this and be like, "What are you? Uh, why did you? I should have dressed you." I'm like, you weren't here. Sorry, she had to take little uh, Max to uh, some swimming class or something. So. Yeah, that's cool. That, yeah, that's, no, I'm I'm enjoying it. Honestly, I have, that is bucket list stuff, man. So it's cool that you got to do it. Like it yeah. really is, right? Yeah. Well, no, and you guys. Well, the cool thing is you guys like. I took, we took a lot because I know you guys, you and Tom go to Croatia every summer. And I mean, I'm like, I, I remember seeing the videos and it's cool. Yes. Hanging out at a cottage, Ontario, but like, there is something about summers in Europe that is just like, it's like, I'm already trying to plan my next yeah. summer trip in Europe. Yeah. We're, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I, you know, a lot of people will say it's the cult, like the lifestyle, like everyone's more laid back, but you know, when you're up, when you're on vacation here, you can be more laid back too. And people yep. are, but I think because when you're closer to home, you naturally get dragged into more stuff that you would normally do like your day to day stuff. Whereas there your routines totally yep. thrown out of whack. So you're forced to kind of just explore chill, you yep. know, and it does help that there's like a cafe, yep. you know, every, every three steps. Well, so, the time, think about, you know what I noticed too? Also the time zone, yeah, right? So the time zone is awesome work. Yeah, because really it's what it's like when we were in Greece at 5 PM, Greece time is when it's 9 AM, you know, back home. So it was like, okay, cool. I can actually spend the entire morning and the entire afternoon with my family at the beach. And then I start work at 5 PM and I would deal with Max in the, you know, until he went to sleep and I would just work till like one in the morning. You know what I mean? So it was, it was actually like, I love the European time zone if you're able to work remotely because it actually lines up nicely. Cause yes, it'd be nice to be out in Europe at night. I mean, it's cool, but Europe's awesome during the, in the mornings and during the day. Right. I mean, you get to oh, see yeah. everything. 
go to all the markets, everything. I'm a morning like, person, man. I, you don't have to tell me that. I, I love that stuff. <laughs> See, I'm not. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I get up. I get up and I'm, I'm wandering when it's super quiet and like the water's still, I you know. know. I, I, feel, I had a feeling you were that guy. Oh, I, lo- I love that stuff. Like, I will just go for like walks. I'll, I'll throw my headphones in. I'll go for a jog or walk myself, hang out by the beach. Actually, I don't even that, drink coffee. But when I'm there, I'll drink coffee just for some reason. I'm like, I might as well get an espresso because I'm sitting here by the water. What the hell? Might as well do it. I'm remembering this now because when we had, we would do the weekends at the cottage, right? With We'd bring like oh, yeah. you and Mike and them. You were always the guy that was up in the mornings. Like yeah. you were, and you'd be on the dock or something like that. So, yeah, I just go chill. Like, why is Nick up? It's your weekend. Sleep in, man. What are you doing? Uh, I can't do it. Man. <laughs> okay, so hold on. Wait, before we continue, because we will yes. talk about mortgages. We got these tequilas yes. here. They're warm. We didn't even make We them decided cold. we have to just, we just, we're so Dave, close to Christmas. Dave came in. We're going to drink some tequila. I'm not shooting this. I'm sipping it just for the right. Are you? I'm shooting it. Oh, it's actually not bad. Actually, it was not bad. I'm pretty sure this is the organic. Which one was that? This is like an organic one that's actually not that expensive a bottle, but it's quite good. We'll try this Hornitos after. That was actually really good. You want to have one? Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, can I, can I, can I just want to throw, thing, throw, throw something out? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I apologize to anyone who really likes this. Can I just say that 1942 is like the most overrated tequila that I've ever drank? And I don't mean this as a bad, like I'm sure people have right now are like, no, I gave that as a gift to someone. I think I've even given it as a gift to people. It is just very smoky and it's just got like a profile that is different for me. And like, you know, lately, Casamigos. Yeah, Casamigos is good. good Yo, that is a solid tequila. Like it it doesn't get the same hype as like an Azul or whatever, but... I mean, that's well, a, you know that's when a we, great, great the, tequila. The, the reason I liked 1942 when we started buying it, yes. because I found this bottle. By the way, I'm sorry if I'm totally no. dissing it. I just like, I don't know what it is. I just have, it's weird. Like I, I take the shot and I'm like, wow. Like if you see my face after 1942, it's not the same as if. Well, it, it, it get, everything gets overhyped, right? Yeah. So, but when, when we had initially found it, I don't know why I was going to, I was trying to buy a bottle, um. The class Azul. Yes. And I couldn't get the class Azul. It was hey, sold out. You, there was so, a time that you could not get them anymore. Yeah. So, but the LC, so this is years ago. This is when, this is the first time I found 942. I'm like, oh, yeah. they have this bottle. Let me try this one. It was cheaper than the class Azul. Yes. It was like $140. Yep. And when I drank it at that time, I'm like, wow, for that price, this is a great tequila. Compared to Azul. Uh, yes. It's it value wise way right? better. But yeah. now that I look at the price, I think I bought some, I don't know, because for a while there, you couldn't even buy the LCBO. You had, needed a restaurant license. So we had someone that was ordering us <laughs> a case at a time. But like, I, I think the last time I saw the price, isn't it like 350 bucks now or something? Well, that's that. So that's my point. 1942 was great when it was a regular price. Now, yeah, it's I not the co- I'm like, no, I'd rather just spend a little bit extra, get the, get the Azul. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Or, or there's, there's like this, this bottle is that a really solid. nice organic bottle. Um, I think Tom found it or someone recommended it and he's like, Hey, is this actually pretty good? And I think this is like an, okay, but bottle. can you do me a favor? Hold on. Like, let's hide this. Like every time you guys, 1942, you guys ruined it. It says you guys, we the did. price went from 140 to three. We, were, like we the, were buying a lot you of You guys yeah. made it great. So let's hide. The, we don't want anyone to see what's going on here. So <laughs> but, um, I don't need you. Make, now this is going to be a $200 bottle in like another three months. It, will, right? it won't take yeah. long. Yeah, it won't take long. Yeah. Here, we'll turn it around. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, man. Um, okay. Mortgages. So, uh, mortgages. Yeah. Mortgages. So, so first, let's go back to, to Europe. So you were working in there this year. Yeah. But was it an easier time to, to work there this year because... Because, I mean, it's no surprise that, you know, the real estate market is yep. not as active. Mortgage market's not as active. You know, volumes are down across the board. So does that make it easier to 
function that way. You, you, you potentially could have thought that I planned this entire thing that I planned that I was going to get married in Europe after doing a three month trip there while the market had hit its lowest point in 20 years. Like, is that that when the lowest was for mortgages in the summer? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just, man, when I, I just, I just know this, like for 19 straight summers, we were ridiculously busy. Like you can't even like, there's no time. Yeah. It's just constant, constant, constant. You wrote a wave of momentum that of, you know, easy money policies. We did too. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We knew we were benefiting from it. Right. Yeah. That wave was a, a really big wave. Yeah. It was tremendous. And then this year, I mean, and the crazy part is, is like, if you think about it, you know, people are always like, well, the top was February 2022. Well, yeah, yeah, like, sure. But they were still fairly like rates. It's not like all of a sudden rates went up 4% in the overnight. It was, remember, that first raise in March was just a quarter percent. The next meeting was April. And Don't they did forget a half. they paused. Remember in January, they paused? Still? Yeah, Jan- yeah well, I'm like, well, that was what? this one. I'm talking about even last year. Think about last year when they first started raising, yeah, right? Think no, about last year. But in January, before. Oh, j- before yes, they, they, didn't raise- do, they didn't do a raise. And everyone was like, why aren't you raising? Yeah, like, it's obvious the market yeah, but, is on fire. What are you doing? Well, that part was stupid because it's like well inflation you can see inflation is clearly now out of control at that point and they don't raise yeah that and was weird. like why didn't you just throw a quarter on at least to like get the fire down yeah, a yeah. little bit and they didn't and, and then in march so go on they, yeah they well march. It, yeah so they raised obviously in march so as you know and i'm sure what your activity would show this think people were still buying homes in April and May. And remember, if they're buying homes in April and May, that means they're not closing till June, July, August. So the summer, last summer was decent, you know, but then it was the interesting thing for me. And when I noticed things were going to get troublesome was normally June, July, August ramp up. And it went June peak, July, August. And I was like, "Uh oh, haven't seen that in 20 years. And then, and then it just September, October, November. And I think by then, you know, you've already kind of made your thesis and we were already starting to look. And I think, you know, we could already see the bank hand was making aggressive moves. You know, I think even newsletters we were sending out to our clients were like, look, it's, you know, this, 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 this activity and this volatility and this aggressiveness that they're showing there's a flip side to that always in markets and, and you can't, you know, what they did was very obvious to, I think a lot of us that they will have to reverse course. It's just when, when are they reversing course? And that was, you know, I think everyone was hopeful. We were all hopeful. Hey, they're going to reverse by next summer, which would have been this summer that just passed and that didn't happen. And so leading to answering your question, um, yeah, this was definitely the, the saddest summer of transactions in mortgages, but yeah, definitely was um advantageous for me to be away you know and i had a lot of you know i've been lucky i mean i think look if you're not taking the the opportunity when the downtime comes then you're missing out because in this market that we were in in real estate and mortgages the bull runs are generally you know consisting of 20 years roughly and the bear runs are sometimes two to five so you know when you have a bear run come first of all you don't panic and you know you you, you have to reassess and you have to lean yourself out but you know you should be taking that time finally if you should have some precious time you can spend with your family and do these things and get ready for the next bull run that will happen whenever that happens yeah i was just talking to someone at lunch uh, another business owner um uh, in accounting and they were 
you know, they're in the same type of situation. They're just, you know, they're having their business is still going and they're having some challenges, more staffing and things like that. Yep. But, uh, but they're getting squeezed because they have leverage either on an office or some, some other, you know, assets they own, wherever the case may be. And they're just kind of like, you know, trying to juggle things around, look, you know, for, it feels like most business owners I talk to now, they're like, okay, we're going through this They're Everyone's kind of shooting for a specific end date that whatever they feel is going to be comfortable for their business yep. and trying to just kind of make things work until that point, you know, some better than others and, and yeah. that type of thing. But it's like, everyone's kind of getting squeezed across the board, no different than property owners across the board are, are getting squeezed and you're seeing the slowdown in, in everything, right? Because of it, right? I've talked to a lot of real estate agents and a lot of mortgage brokers and there seems to be this, you know, pressing idea that you gotta, you gotta survive till the summer. Yeah. Right. And you gotta make it through. And I think, you know, Tiff Macklem the other day, as much as I hate to listen to him because he lied to Canadians, in my opinion, um, back in 2020 and, and caused a lot of unnecessary hardship for a lot of people. But, you know, even he, the other day, you know, not only was he mentioning that finally first time ever saying that he's anticipating rate cuts would likely happen in the second half. But, um, you know, he, he, he talked about how like Max Payne is coming this it's it's this is yeah this is where we're going to feel it january february march april is where i'm not talking about just mortgage brokers and real estate agents i'm talking about oh, the economy the economy is going to you know unemployment should should rise and you know i sadly this is what they're this is the game plan that they're doing. They, they try to do these things to then flip the cycle, right? And, you know, we've been fortunate enough to be in it, but we actually haven't been, you and I haven't been in this, as long as we've been doing this, we haven't been in this nasty part of it. You know, Not we like got this. our parents experienced yeah. the nasty part of it, but. 2007, uh, in some ways, there was a lot of fear on the market. It didn't, yes. rates didn't go like where they have now, but, the, but you know, there was, a, it got real, really frothy. Yeah. And then a lot of fear kind of stepped in because of more what happened in the U.S. So it was a little bit more short-lived. Yes. But we haven't been seeing a square squeeze like this before, right? No, this is definitely, yeah. I, people ask me all the time. I mean, like, like 20 years you've been doing this. What is it like? You know, yeah. even clients, like we're having contact, you know, contact with clients and it's like, I have to tell them, look, we have not seen things like this. I haven't seen anything like this in 20 years. So it's about, you know, game planning correctly. You know, a lot of our conversations with clients now, it's, it's very different. It's, it's preservation. You know, um, I have clients that are right now in situations where the only thing that helps them is to refinance their mortgage, sadly. To use those funds to pay. To use those, to take extra funds out just to cover differences because they're in a spot that, you know, it, it's, it's, they're, they're getting squeezed heavily. And so they have a choice. Do they sell and give up or, you know, what do they do? And, you know, listen, for some people, if you believe that interest rates are going to stay elevated, then it would be in sometimes their best interest to sell and go to a different situation. But, you know, if you are of the belief that interest rates are going to come down, and I certainly don't think they're gonna come down to the ones and twos, but I think if you think that you're, there's gonna be rates in the, you know, with a high threes, you know, low to mid fours, if you think that's gonna happen, I think there's an idea that you need to survive. You need to get to that spot and then you can reassess because- Well, we were talking earlier that we're we just over the last couple of days, I think the lowest, I guess, nationally five year fixed insurer- yeah. We had a four back in front of it. It's yeah. like, if it's 499, it's just yeah. there, but that, and that's just over the last couple couple of days. So, yeah. so we're in that trend, but I agree with you that to go that low would be difficult right now. What, we're, what we've seen in the past, if you've, you've we when you looked at other kind of high inflationary episodes 
40s, 70s, that type of thing, it seems like it's common, or it's common, we're only talking about a couple instances, for a second inflation spike to kind of come behind yeah. the first one. And, and that's the thing that I, you know, it's so weird because, again, something else we're talking about at lunch is I'm like, it's just, it's like there's no economy anymore. And, and because they've, they've put so much debt in the system, everything is dependent on these interest rate in the Bank of Canada moves, Yep. right? And, and it's like, so now that everyone's looking there and they're expecting rate, oh, they need to save us with lower rates, lower rates, you know, Tom and I are always like, what are we missing? Because if everyone's expecting one thing, we're like, ah, it feels like something yes. else is going to happen, right? Yes. So, and, and I'm like, yeah, is there this period of time where, yeah, the rate's going to come down a bit, but do we get that second spike again, like we've seen in the past, and then rates come back up? And I'm like, hmm, that that'd be an interesting dynamic because that, if even if it did it for another year, um, that would hurt. That would hurt people a lot more, you know. So it'll be interesting to see if that that would might, that, well, that would be like, that that would be the crusher, right? Yeah. So I think like there, you know, if you, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of high level mortgage executives. Some of these people at these banks have talked to economists. And what you say is actually really interesting because a couple of people I've actually spoke to have come up with a, a bit of a theory that, you know, Bank of Canada starts lowering rates in the second half of next year. Previous to that, you'll probably have the bond market, you know, which always seems to get, you know, that information a little bit earlier. You probably see fixed rates start coming down. I think you know, it all depends on how low rates go. But the school of thought is that if you get back down five year fixed in the three, nine, nine, three, six, nine, you're going to create another fairly large wave of real estate transactions. And that's because you have this massive amount of pent up demand on the purchase side. You have a massive amount of pent up demand on the refinance side. I can't tell you how many oh, people really? are just waiting for rates to come down to refinance. But what, how are they, because wouldn't the penalties for them be pretty enormous if they, it, well, if no, they, not because yes, if they were to do it now or in certain situations, but remember, imagine I have, I got a lot of people right now, they're at two, eight, nine. Oh. that want to refinance, but they have two years left. Got it. They, got, they got debt. I mean, that's a, people, can't, people seem to think that if you have a low interest rate, that means somehow you don't have debt. And that's actually like, that's, that's a big misnomer. I have a lot of clients that I look at and they're, they're making their mortgage payments and they're certainly happy, but they also partake, partake, partaked in the, um, you yeah. know, the, the, the frenzy of spending that, yeah. that, what, that, that had happened and, and had proceeded to 2020, to, to 2020 massiveness, yeah, yeah. uh, the craziness, let's say, but, um, so they have debt, but they're not in a position, like they would love to pay the debt off, but it doesn't make sense for them to refinance. And, you know, you also just have a bunch of people that probably want to refinance, but they don't feel like doing it at 7.19% on a one year fixed. So they're going to wait. And so that's why I say just like, you know, we've got this perfect storm coming that I don't think as many people are seeing as that what we're seeing, which is, you know, on your side, the pent up demand is insane on the purchase side. I can tell you the amount of uh, pre-approvals that we do where clients don't buy is at an all time high in 20 years, right? The amount of times we have to redo rate locks. Do you know how like, uncommon that was to have to redo a rate lock after four months? Because someone will get pre-approved and then they generally, a lot of times would buy within that four month period. The amount of times now that they're, bu they're buying within that period is actually at the lowest I've ever seen. So imagine now you've got all these, and the applications are still coming in. It's just you're pre-approving less. And then when you're pre-approving, they're not buying, mm -hmm. right? So now imagine you got all that pent up demand there. 
people are just waiting to refinance. And then you have the largest renewal cliff on, on its way. You have the perfect storm. So I think to your point, and what a lot of people have said that these are smart people that I listen to is they say, look, that extra wave in inflation is not likely to come. If it's going to come, it's actually going to come in like 26, 27. When all that new money gets flushed into the system. Yeah. And you have like, it's, it's, you could have this back half of 24 and then all of 25 and then a good chunk of 26 where things are getting a little crazy again. And that'll be because of all that pent up demand, because you can't, economics is very simple. It's supply demand. I mean, if you have all that demand, if you unleash that demand on a market and the supply side is not there, which we know it's not, then something happens to P and P equals price. And so it didn't like, you know, a lot of parents have put their kids in economics classes and made them go to university and this is what they teach us. And so it's stupid, in my opinion, to ignore that. I mean, a lot of these real estate bears are like, no, the prices can't go higher because they just can't. Okay, well, but that's not how economics works. I'm sorry, but just the idea of things can't isn't that's that's theory. Yeah, there's got to be more behind it, right? Like, like if if incomes get all cut by fifty percent and 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 all the lending rules stay the same, yeah, well then they can't, right? But if can't. if if lending rules change or if amortizations change or whatever the case may be, well they can it, because you, you know, what people I think forget a lot is that no one cares. I shouldn't say no one, but our society is now structured in such a way that people don't put as much as much attention on what the actual price of something is. Yep. They care more about what the payment on that is. Yep. So if I can buy a $10 million house, but I'm paying a hundred bucks a month, well then give me the $10 million house, Yes. you know, and I'm not alone. Yep. Right. But so, and I think that's where, and, and I'm not saying that anything's going to change, but to say something can't with, with hundred percent certainty, it's, it's just, it's just all probability. Yes. Like maybe it's unlikely they, they, they shoot up like that and that's yep. fair, but you know, um, but I got to think the banks, because right now with the less, you know, less lending, less mortgage originations, less refinancing, yeah. so the banks are losing out on profits. So I'd imagine when the time comes where they feel that financial conditions are a little bit looser and their, their economies may be a little bit more stable, so they feel a little bit more comfortable they loosen the reins a little bit because they want to ultimately lend if they can, because that's where the profits come from. Is like, am I missing something? Because there hasn't been that kind of that competitiveness in the mortgage market this year. Yep. Like, like past spring markets, there's always, I think it was always, was it HSBC or Bank of Montreal BMO. or something? It was a BMO. BMO the old always 299. Yeah. Yeah. Or like 0.99 <laughs> at 1.1% 1. 1. Yeah, 1 or something. Yep. Uh, um, so we didn't know, have that last year. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, does that change again? If they're like, okay, we feel like we're through the worst of it, let's be a little bit more aggressive because we want to pad our bottom line a little bit too, right? Yeah. Well, listen, I think. There's obviously a lot of smarter people than you and I probably working at these banks. Maybe not, but I mean, we, I think you and I would want to assume there are a lot smarter people working at these banks. And uh, I give the government credit sometimes too, but <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's completely fair too. Um, look, you know, I think if I'm if I'm from the bank side, and if if my economists at the bank and the people that I trust are telling me that you know 2023 is not even going to be a big summer market, then the bank strategy has always, always on the mortgage side been stay competitive when volume is high, right? And don't fight over business when volume is low. And what do I have to back that up? Well, seasonality, right? Why, why do all the specials come out in the spring? It's very simple, right? It's, it's 
the most amount of transactions here in Canada, where we have a country that is very dependent on weather and people's moods are very dependent on oh, yeah, weather. It's very obvious. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, and, like, and the other thing too is honestly, if I want to sell my nice house and I have a beautiful garden and I have a pool, am I going to sell that in December? No. Not. Yeah, you can't get the emotions involved at that time of the, with the garden and the landscaping, the pool for sure. And how many people want? Who, like Nick? How many people? Like you, you work in real estate. How many buyers are like, oh, I can't wait to shop for a home in December. I don't. I can't wait to like tell my wife we're gonna move in the middle of winter. And, you know, like no, that's not generally. You usually are only doing it if you're forced to. You know, you're not doing a lot. So there's never been a lot of volume, mortgage volume in December, January, February, March. So, and again, do you ever, and let's go back. Do you ever see banks coming out with like massive specials in December, January? No, the specials all start in the spring and they go very hard. And that's the reason why, because that's when the volume is there. Banks are smart. They're going to fight over volume and then they're going to pull back. They're not going to fight when there's no volume. And so if I'm a bank, I'm someone at the bank and the economists are all telling me, look, it ain't going to be a busy summer this year. It's probably gonna be the worst summer on record. Why am I going out and killing my margins? It makes no sense for me. I should, and to be fair, I think some of these banks were actually squeezed anyway. We know of some of them that took way too much of the government handouts during COVID and they got into balance sheet and treasury issues and they had to deal with that. And that's something that also affected, you know, I think the mortgage market is that a lot of these, some of these I don't want to say a lot, but some of these banks just were not competitive. There's one in particular, and those who know me know that I'm a big supporter of this bank. They couldn't even send this bank business. Their rates were so high. Yeah. I think that was by design a little bit. It was. They they came out and said they were trying to be. They They had a balance sheet issue. They had had treasury issues. I've never in 20 years had a, a BDM, which is a business development officer at a bank. These are the people that we as mortgage brokers deal with. I have never once had anyone, any of them at a big bank come and tell me that this, a bank I work for has treasury issues right now. I've like 20 years I've been doing this. It's never happened. Yeah. Liquidity got squeezed everywhere, you know, but it's coming back in the market. Like we're looking at the, 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 M2 numbers in Canada has been growing the last couple of months, yeah. which is weird, yeah. weird to think, you know what I mean? Like well, you don't, M2 is usually a precursor though. No, I know. I know. It's why you see some like, well, it's, I, I'm not, I can't say this is why, but it's interesting because when you see global liquidity and Canadian liquidity and, you know, uh, along with it, when you see those numbers going up, it's, it's not unlikely to see things like these tech stocks go up. Yep. See like some more money going into like the Bitcoin price because people start just plugging it into other things. Yep. Um, and even, even you know, real estate, like we're seeing just even since the last Bank of Canada announcement, was that two weeks ago now? Yep. Right. As soon as that kind of said, hey, we're just, looks like we're, we're, we're good, you know. Um, immediately, like on, on listings that we, that we have here for some investors, things like that, immediately, the, the, the number of showings changed. Now, yes. I don't know if it's still in the, it's still the case, but from the few days that I was talking to some of the guys on the team at that point in time, they, the, the, they said those few days after, we've noticed a difference. Like, it's it, a like, sentiment shift, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, but we, it's funny, though. Know, you, you saw it, you and Tom and, and, and all your rock star agents would have saw that in the spring. Oh, yeah. They did the double pause. The well, everyone started to shift. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the June, July, the June rate cut, just like you could just see the air come out and then the july one was like ah oh, you killed whatever was left. like yeah. what you know and then august turned out to be like the worst august they, I feel like to be fair what, if you, when, yeah <laughs> but i'm just saying to be fair what specifically for the real estate market yes you know like we're in the business yep. and i'm gonna say that 
they needed to do that. Oh, 100%. It, it was already, I was just like, what is going on here? Because they're not fixing, to your point, they're not fixing the underlying problems. They're trying to manage, it, it doesn't work. Like you can't manage a country the size of Canada yep. with as many, the diverse economies, the diverse different um, industries that are in it, just and the different provinces, how different things are structured in different cities and 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 urban versus, versus rural and all these different things. You can't manage it with one central interest rate policy for everyone it doesn't work so that's why they see the the, the, the real estate market taking off yep. and they're like oh crap we want to slow that down which which i'm all for like slow it down 100 percent. but when you do that you're killing everything else yep. and there's a lot of these other businesses that don't shouldn't be killed you know i think of some yep. of the businesses that were just hammered during you know think of restaurants james oh, stuff during covid man. right how, how they were hammered and now they're getting hammered again if they have any leverage for what it's none of their own doing just because what their 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 their, their, their financial policy is driving driving people to try to scoop up hard assets like real estate. Yep. So now they're going to make all these other people suffer. Like it's just, it's a, it just goes back to being a broken system. Well, I think I, I had put out, so I don't, I don't, I don't tweet much. I know it's called X now, but I don't tweet much. And, um, but I had, uh, it's like a couple months ago, it's sometime in October. And so I own a, I own some real estate in Aruba and I have a business, I have a partner in that. And, uh, he owns several very, 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 um, busy restaurants in Mississauga, right on Lakeshore in the Port Credit area. And he had sent me a text that night. He was in Aruba and we were conversing about stuff with respect to our properties. And he sent me a text that basically, it got me thinking. And it was, he said, I got my, you know, we were just chatting and then the, his text says, yeah, I got my reports from back home, my sales reports. And this was the worst September we've had in our entire company's history. Now, if I was, wow. he's probably taking out, no, actually, because 2020 September, he, he said it was big. So it was the worst September he's had. And so you gotta understand, and by that time, it wasn't like people were super suffering. Coming out of the summer, it didn't feel like people were like super suffering. No, and now right. it's kind of accelerated now. But, and I remember I tweeted that, I put out like a little, just a tweet. And again, I don't, I don't have a lot of followers, I don't keep, I'm very rarely on that. And, it got a crazy reaction because, you know, I had said, hey, it seems like max pain is coming over the next six to eight months. That was back in October, you know, and that, you know, I put out a couple of predictions in terms of what I thought TIFF would do based on what we were seeing. Because I feel like in a weird way, I see, you know, we're dealing with people's credit. So, you know, like I feel like I've been seeing things a little bit earlier and, and then maybe the general public. I'm just lucky. Like my position allows me to do that. But it really felt like that was like him giving me that report that from a retail side, from a restaurant side, and it's kind of funny you say that because yeah, like look, this poor guy got screwed over during COVID, forced to shut down his businesses. And you know, I think, you know, very, it was very unfair what happened to a lot of these restaurant owners. And then they get to get their business back. And of course, now the government has let them down because the government let inflation get to a level, you know, and by the way, that's something that they are in control of. So they let it get to a level where they now had to do something that's hurting who? him again you know what i mean like this is a restaurant like i got you guys imagine th if i'm if i'm his i'm like why am i in this business i just got completely my ass handed to me during covid you know yeah okay afterwards there was i probably made a bit of money back because there was such demand for people to go out but then now you know my business is suffering because the government let prices get out of control and then they've now clamped on people spending money so that now they don't even want to come out and spend money on food you know what i mean and again this isn't like it's not like he's a restaurant in like timbuktu manitoba this is like lakeshore mississauga yeah like super high traffic area and he's saying worst sales reports he's had for a september in his entire company's history well look i've looked at prices 
And, you know, when I've been out and it, it causes me to pause, you know, and it's like, I, it's, it's, you know, I'm able to pay the bill, but it, you know, it's like, it, I'm looking at this. I'm like, this seems off. The, Copacabana. The, the, go have a dinner at Copacabana. Yeah, I haven't been. You used to, like, I love the place, but I mean, you used to go four people, man. Your bill was like two and change. You go four. I just went, just got back four people, 500 bucks, man. I went to Chipotle with my family. I've shared that before. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, no, I know. If I, I know what you're about to say because I felt the same when I went there. It was two. It actually wasn't. It was only one kid's meal. I wasn't. Yeah. Sure. It was one kid's meal. Yeah. I think it. Not even everyone got a drink. I think it was because we we're taking it out to go home. Yep. I think it was two drinks and meals for everyone. Forty something bucks. No. $80. Now, look, I splurged on guacamole. But I don't care. Guacamole is not Did that much. Did you bring home a bucket? <laughs> like, I was like, so I, I was looking around, but like, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, $80, that's, that's not this, that, that's considered, in my world, it's not like McDonald's fast food. No, fast food. But it's still fast ten, food. 10 bucks or under per person should be And I was just like, so how many people are able, like, I mean, it, yeah. you know, it, it, you've got to make decisions at that point. It's actually really interesting you say that because you're actually the first person, like I, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm like a gauger, like when I'm like around people and I'm always like, I'll be like, it's just me or like, is things getting crazy? And I always think to myself, I'm like, cause normally I'm not, you know, I, I would say you and I are si similar. Like, it's like, I can pay the bill. You know what I mean? But like now I'm actually looking at it. Like before it's like, you bring the bill. It's like, just, just do, do the tips on it, send it back. Like I, I'm not paying. Well, now I want to see how bad I'm getting ripped off. And it's not even ripped off. I shouldn't say that because I understand there's costs and, and, and I understand costs have gone up, but it just feels like I, I, I it's hard to feel like I'm, there's value I agree. there anymore. I agree. Right at certain price points. And that's scary if I'm like, you know, imagine if I'm, if you and I are in the restaurant business, how scary is that, that first of all, if that's what it costs people for our business to make a profit, that's scary. And then what's scary is now that people are actually talking about it. And so if you and I are talking about it, what, yeah. Who else is talking about it? And so I'm sure a bunch of people are all watching this podcast going, I'm talking about it too. You know what I mean? Like we're finding the same thing. And it's just like, at what point? Cause the problem with inflation is I don't think we're going to be in a deflationary situation anytime soon. So it's not like prices are going to go. And you know, the thing about inflation and I think what's tricks people is that they're like, Oh, inflation's coming down to 2%. Okay. That's great. Well, no, we're, we're not getting that 8% back from June. Of, like, <laughs> yeah. It's not how it works. Inflation going down 2% doesn't erase the 8.1% increase we had in goods, you know, uh, the, the, the basket in June of 2022. Like that's not, we don't get that back. So I'm wondering what happens. And sadly what happens is, and you and I know this, is businesses fail. There will be lots of businesses and industries that will fail because of this. And there will be new opportunity but sadly, there's going to be failures. And I just think, and I want to put this out there, I think that that's actually incredibly sad because we had a, we had a person in our country who is in control of these types of things come out in the later part of 2020 and tell Canadians, can it, tell Canadians, yeah, go borrow money, go borrow money. Interest rates are going to stay low for a very long time. And he even said the business, if you're a business owner and you're thinking of making a big investment, make it, you can feel comfortable. Well, guess what? You did that. And you know what? I know I have clients like this that listen to you. Okay. And you put them in a bad spot. And I think that's incredibly sad. And I think it doesn't get a lot, you know, and yeah, you'll go on Twitter, you go on social media and there's a few people that'll be like, talk about it. And you always think, Oh, they're the outliers. They're hate government. No, I don't hate government. I don't hate government, but I got to tell you, that was the most reckless statement. Any person that's tied to finance and, and has that has an audience to a country has ever put out, in my opinion, like that, that was so in, incredibly reckless. 
He promoted the fact that people should go and do that. And then literally a year within about what, 14, 15 months, rug pull, biggest rug pull, uh, like, like, nope, guess what? I made a mistake. Inflation got out of control, but you would have thought by then, if you were going to put a statement on like that, you, 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 you had the goods to be able to put that out you, and you didn't, you could have seen it, you know, it didn't take an economist or, you know, anyone with any substantial level of intelligence to figure out quite early after the initial scare of COVID that the economy was not in as bad shape as initially feared. And they could have started adjusting it quite quickly instead of letting it run for two years, you know, to the point that it was a flipping inferno and not just in real estate. I mean, in, in every sector, like it was just outrageous. And And what was the reason for that? Like what, like I always think to myself, why do we think that they didn't like they, in the face of rising inflation? I mean, that's when they started throwing out the, the famous transitory word, which everyone claims to know what it meant. But the truth is everyone had to go and check Google as to what that meant when all the government started, Oh, it's transitory. Don't worry. It's transitory. It's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, like, you're supposed to know these things like you're like, and, 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 and was it politically motivated? Because you think about it, if they were to say, no, 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 inflation is going to keep going up, da, 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 you know, because of all, because of all this, the reality is, is would that have had a different narrative with respect to how the governments were pushing, you know, to keep everyone, they were almost saying like they were keeping us like, hey, you're going to get locked down soon. It almost felt like there was this like, yeah, I mean, look out there, you know, we're going to, if cases spike and it had, it had Canadians and people all over the world on edge. We were literally sitting there waiting to see what our government was going to say. And I think what makes that so reckless is that we were in a position at that time to have to listen to the government. And then they came out and told us, go and spend a ton of money go and make purchases. So it's like you took a time a lot, you know, where people really were vulnerable to listening to the government and at that time put out a statement like that. I think that's what makes it 10 times more criminal because yeah. they had the voice of all the, of, uh, they had the people's attention. I've, I mean, look, I've, I've, I grew up in a household where during the f- war of the former Yugoslavia, so my you know, our father's Croatian mother Scottish, right? As you know, so, you know, as a, uh, you know, on the Scottish side of things, they were, they were always at odds with England and there's yep. always kind of just things going on there, whether it's battles in the past or if the case may be. So it always felt like there was two sides to that story. Yep. On, and then during the former Yugoslavia war, um, obviously our father's Croatian. So, you know, he was supporting Croatia, separating into its, in, 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 supporting their independence. Yep. And we were watching the news. I was watching the news at home and, you know, our, my parents were like, well, that's not actually what's going on because he's li- talking to family. He's like, I'm hearing this. And then we had a shortwave radio and we're listening to news there and we're getting a different side Very of the story. Different. So I, I, I think that's why, because some people look at me because I'm so not jaded by the government, but I don't believe them ever. So it's why I took that approach, whether it's, you know, what whatever you want to call, you know, what, whatever you want to say, whether it's with, with COVID or, or anything yep. they say, I'm just like, eh, I don't know if I fully believe them. I want to go do my own research and, and make my own decision. And, you know, I think, I think that's why I'm, I'm struck. I'm, I'm like that because of my my experience as a kid. I don't really know because because most people I know aren't like that. And but and I faded though, right? Like it's data. Like you've had enough experience. You've had enough. I know of but, a of a of a of a history where you can say I feel like I was lied to or but, wasn't. But in Canada, people 
that hasn't happened as much. Sure. So people, like the, the amount of people that blindly over the last few years in, in multiple instances have just, just turned to the government, heard something and be like, oh, okay, that's factual, that's true, I'm just gonna believe that, surprised me. Yep. I was like, really? I saw, and and I, I was like, <laughs> looked at the weird one, and I'm not even talking about vaccines and lockdowns and stuff like yep. that. I'm talking about like anything else, right? Like because, we're gonna build a million homes and we're gonna make sure everyone's yeah, gonna, yeah, exactly. And and like, <laughs> like anything, and I'm like, why do people believe this all of a sudden? They just believe that they're telling, you know, and if they're not telling the truth here, why do you think if they're going to tell you something else and they're automatically, they haven't told you the truth for these five things, yeah. but now this sixth thing that they're saying is going to tell you the truth. Is that just because you want, you want to believe it because it makes you feel good? Like I couldn't, I, I still haven't been able to piece that one together. I'm like, why am I this person that always questions things? And I think it was from my, I'm, I'm blaming my parents. Actually, I should say I'm thanking my parents because I'm glad, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's worked out that way, but. You know what's sad though? You and I, in a weird way, there would be people, you know, and I'm sure there's people even today that would be listening to this that would kind of maybe form an opinion that you and I are like conspiracy theorists and it's kind of funny because like and I you and I I know you and you know me and we're not no I mean the last thing I'm thinking about is spending time thinking about is you know things like that but data is where I come and I feel like there's been too many times that I've I've caught them leading me down a road that didn't actually come to the way that they had said it was going to. Yeah, and for me, it's not just even with the government. Okay, so I'll remove- yeah, it'd be anyway. Well, with Tom, sometimes Tom and I will get into disagreement. Because <laughs> Tom will be, he'll be like, Nick, I, I just, I feel like it, it's, it's like this, and this is the right thing. And I'm like, Tom, what the hell are you talking about? You feel. Look at the number. Here's the spreadsheet I put together. Look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. This is what it is. I know. I know that's what the numbers is, but I feel like this. And I'm just like, oh, man, I can't handle it. So, so, funny so we that. just operate in different ways yes. that way. And I'm not saying my way is right. And his no, way is no, no, I'm not saying that at all. But it's just different people are, are wired. But so I, I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy guy. Yeah. I just like, like you said, I just like data. And Tom will say, and that's just one example, but, but I know Tom often talks about with anything he does yep. he wants an information advantage yes he's always searching out that information advantage and that's yep. why we look for that because without that you're flying blind because who the hell knows who's who's guiding you right no it's true i mean uh let's let's switch just a mo- okay so hold on first we gotta try hornitos hold on so let's make sure okay this one was a banger so I don't know. like i gotta <laughs> i'm taking a picture of that I'll tell you, yeah it's good let's try this like usually hornitos warm, supposed to be good, usually but I warm tequila is not the way to do it i don't know if this is a good hornitos or not because i know there's right. multiple hornitos all right you're going with sip again i'm gonna just do my normal shot yeah the flavor is different it's not bad i think i like this one better though see this remi- reminds me of 1942 man i'm not even kidding you it's got like um there's like a smokiness that I don't love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is but, nicer. This but is good. Smooth. I mean, that one was, that's fire, actually. The, the, it, it, you know, it's, I don't know, if it, it's kind of sad how many different bottles of tequila we have. I don't know if it's good or bad, but there is a lot of tequila, yeah. a lot of types of tequila, because I think there's three or four more in my office. So we could try. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was actually, we were going through the bottles earlier, and I was trying to get, I was trying to get Nick to shoot vodka, but he's, he's a smart man. He said, no way. No. No, there's, yeah, because there's 1942 there, class as well, these yes. two, and I think there's one or two more. But yeah, but your 1942 was like unopened. I definitely did not want you opening that. That makes no we sense. We can trust me. It's going to open it. So <laughs> um, they'll appreciate okay. it at least. I would say um, on the mortgage side for yes. people. What's what are you seeing? So just strictly on mortgage side because we got off on a little bit of a tangent there. Worth worth kind of exploring because it's interesting to see your insights on the bank side too. Sure, but um, I guess it's it's harder to like for people qualifying right now, like what are their options? Because they have to qualify at a higher rate. Like where, where are the opportunities for people? You know, and I know the opportunities is, is a, it, 
the types of opportunities have changed from a couple of years yes. ago. But what are you guys seeing? Like, where are you guiding people towards? How are you helping people with stuff? Because I know there's some challenges with the different things, right? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I'd say from a broad standpoint, it's just all about your strategy. The idea is you don't want, like I don't, well, and it's obviously with rates coming down, it's a little bit different, but if you, you, you transport me back three months ago, four months ago, and then, and previous to that, I, I didn't want anyone taking a five-year fixed, a four-year fixed. I didn't even love people taking a three-year fixed, mm. to be honest with you. Although the problem was, is that the three-year fixed kind of became this like hot product because there became this demand for it because it wasn't a one-year and it wasn't a five-year. And then we could see the banks clearly could see there was some demand for it. So they kind of started slowly battling each other for the three-year business. So you saw the three-year actually rate become this weird popular rate. I didn't love it though, because I'm a thesis guy and my thesis was always, you know, when, when, when they had done a, a massive 4% raise, you know, to interest rates, it, 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 it didn't, I mean, at least my mind and my feel, my Tom Carrad's a feel, if you will, <laughs> was that it was too quick. It was too fast and it was too quick and that there, there will have to reverse course probably quicker than they wanted to. And so with that, if you form that thesis, my idea was certainly that hopefully rates would start coming down by the fall of this year, maybe to the end of this year. That didn't happen. We saw the hire for longer jump into the spring, right? When we had those, the, the, the bank can do the increases. So it really just became like a thing of strategy to be like, okay, well, what are we taking? Like, if you have a renewal coming up, you need a mortgage today. If you know, you're buying a home, you need a mortgage today. The idea was really trying to convince people not to take a new mortgage if they didn't need it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was really like that was, and, and that, you know, some mortgage brokers, you know, would be like, well, that's, you're not, how are you getting paid? Well, it's not, it's not about getting paid. It's about like, if you'd be a mortgage broker, you, you, you're, you have an, you have a fiduciary duty to do the best for your client and it shouldn't never be about commission or pay. It should be about guiding people the right way. And the long game is always going to, you're going to win out there. But yeah, I mean, I think the biggest difference for me as a mortgage agent, mortgage broker in the last 20 years compared to today was that I'm having more discussions about strategy and we're at, we're taking gambles here. I mean, let's be realistic here. Uh, you know, my strategy was that I've been telling people that I don't believe a five-year fix or four-year fix or even a three-year fix was necessarily a smart thing. I think taking a one-year fixed, sucking it up with the higher rate so that you have the ability to be a free agent in a year when rates could be lower. I thought that that was mathematically a very smart move. You know, signing into a five-year fix that, 599 or 6.19 I think you're going to have a lot of regret potentially when there's a 399 five year fixed available and the problem is is regrets one thing but ability to get out of that mortgage is another thing and you wouldn't be able to because your penalty will be like insane can I ask you something around that I was yeah. curious about something if you sign if you go into a variable a five year variable rate mortgage yep. so the penalty is typically 3 months interest right that's it but then I so let's say now I have that that mortgage for six months Yep, and an attractive one year rate or two year, whatever it is, less than five years, right? Yep. Would, would come out. So I'm like, okay, I actually want that one year rate. So I lock into the one year rate. You can't. Oh, I can't. So what can I lock? I'll into? explain it to you. It's actually, it's actually a really, really good question. And there's, there's See, a lot of, every time I try to figure out a workaround, <laughs> they've always closed the loophole. <laughs> All right. So here's the deal, right? These variables are five year terms. So it says to you in that variable term that you can convert at any time. To, to the bank's best fixed rates. With that said, there's a caveat in there. If you've signed for five years 
and you're one year into the mortgage, okay? At best, the lowest term they'll offer you is four years. Why? Because you were with them for a year. You've signed for a five-year. So they're not going to let you convert to a one-year because okay. one year from now, you're renewing. So they're going to go, no, you signed for five years. Now you're open at two. No way. Yeah, I should have known that. So that's the <laughs> kicker, right? Well, the banks, they always, <laughs> loopholes are closed very quickly. I'm surprised. Guys. I just, I didn't know if maybe they would let you, you, you could lock in for the one-year rate, but- at the end of that one year, you, you're, forced you're, you're still forced to stay with them. Problem you is, have to select another product or whatever the case. I get what you're saying. The problem is legally, yeah. legally, if they convert to a one year, they have to let you out. They have to let yeah, you yeah. out. So that's, so that's that's why they don't. So right. yeah, but I mean, you know, it's funny you bring up the variable because look, the variable was actually at a rate. Most variable rates at most banks for most of this year were at a level where. It was similar to the one-year or the two-year rate. But what's happened in the last couple months is the variable. There's been a couple lenders that have come out with these nice, fat, prime minus 80, prime minus 90s. And that led to obviously being able to offer a 6.3, 6.4 rate. Well, the one-year rate was sitting for a long time in the low sevens, high sixes. So the variable became popular again because, first of all, it was lower than the one-year and the two-year. Right. And remember, again, it's all about like what the client, when you're t- speaking to a client, if we've already assessed the situation that we don't want to be taking a five-year fix, we don't want to be taking a four-year fix, <coughs> excuse me, what is left, right? Well, the one-year fix strategy is nice because we want to be a free agent potentially if rates are down. Two-year fix has a similar thing, but giving you a little extra protection. But the variable for a while there, when its rate was the same or higher than the one or two-year, is that even something you want to be in. Not really. Bank of Canada seems reckless. They could just, they're pausing and increasing. Like, you know, like you can't, but we're now three pauses in a row. The Bank of Canada has said they're looking at rate cuts in the second half of 2024. That is a, that is a, an official statement from Tiff Macklem. Now, again, I don't know if we want to believe everything Tiff says, but in the, in the, in the event that he is right this time, right? The variable actually presents itself an opportunity. And that opportunity is that if Bank of Canada starts reducing rates, let's say in second half, you're going to ride that rate down. If that rate's coming down, the fixed rates are already coming down before then. So now you have this ability, you know, to convert. And I think that's the beauty of the variable and the one year. They actually have similar, similar trajectories. The one year you're doing it because you want to be a free agent with the variable. You're not a free agent. But you have this clause in your contract that says, hey, I can opt out on my variable and take a fix at any time. So that's the thing is, you know, to get back to the question, this is like the longest answer of a question you've ever given me in probably 20 years I've known you. But there's been a lot. <laughs> there's, been, there's been a lot of questions. <laughs> and you probably hate hearing and listening. You're probably like, man, I've heard this guy talk for 20 years. But no, the reality is, is that the variable came back into play. But you're still it's these conversations we're having with clients aren't about like, Oh, you're approved for this and you're going to do this. No, it's, you're barely getting approved. The stress test is like on some products is like 8%. Like, you know how hard it is to qualify someone for a $700,000 mortgage at an 8% stress test. Do you know how much income you need to qualify for that? Like it's ridiculous. How so, much income do you need? Like if you have oh, to ballpark that. Do you, I, on that? Yeah. So $800,000 mortgage. What did I say? Eight. Eight hundred seven hundred thousand dollars mortgage at an 8% stress test. Yeah. I'm totally off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah. Just, um, couple hundred couple thousand hundred grand yeah 
And how many, and how many families are making a couple hundred yeah, and, grand? And, and how many properties are you going to need a $700,000 mortgage? A lot. And I was going to say, yeah, it, depending on where you are, like if you're in Toronto, a $700,000 mortgage. That's, that's not, that's, it's, it's your it, loan to value on that is going to generate, I'm going to guess it's low because your property value is going to be high. There right? was a day when you had a million dollar property, you, a million dollar property looked a lot different even 10 years ago. You know, today. It, it's funny. I will say this is, is, is for the listeners of the podcast is I will always say this. This is actually a really cool story is that when I, when Nick and I met and well, we had met actually before any of us was in mortgage and real estate, but when we started actually working together, can you imagine? Like I was telling this story the other day cause it was actually, it came up the other day and I was like, you know, Tom and Nick were buying single family detached homes in Hamilton on the mountain for $200,000. Oh, yeah. The first home in the first home you helped me buy was, Whitney. It was no, it was actually which one? Uh, Wait, Whitney was one of them. Mississauga. The first time I, I came to you because I had used a different mortgage broker, Metro yes, Gym. Yep. And that mortgage broker, I, I didn't know anything at the time, so he got me pre-approved. Yep. So I thought I was approved, and there was there was demand this. for this this property, <laughs> but on the listing, on the listing it said for land value only because yep. I guess there was a what they thought was a, a major structural problem in the basement didn't end up be that being that major after I got it looked at, but um. And that's why I thought I was pre-approved. So I went in firm because I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm pre-approved. But then the guy's like, well, no, it says for land value only, the bank won't land. I was like, oh, no. Yep. So I was like, oh, I just talked, met this guy Dave again <laughs> at Gold's Gym. Let's bring him the problem file. On the hammer strength with the white and red hammer strength machines. That. The way, right? Gold's Gym was and, the best, by the way. Oh, at that time? That yeah. Gold's Gym Mississauga? I that mean, was if anyone is listening, it was Rexdale. at that Gold's Gym. Yeah, not Rexdale. Um, something with an X. What was it? What uh, was the street it was on? Oh, it was, no, it was on oh, Rathburn. Yes. Rathburn and Dixie. Yes. Dixie is what Dixie. Dixie, yeah, Dixie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dixie, Dixie. So it was there. And um, man, and, and, you know, just on the weekend, I met the guys that uh, I, I kind of knew from high school. I knew I knew one of his good friends was out in Costa Rica. He called the guy in Costa Rica right on the spot. He's like, let me talk to this. <laughs> Look, this like- yeah. And I was like, man, these high school ties go back. And that's the time I was at Gold's Gym. <laughs> yep. right? So, yep. but um, anyway, so, so we met there and then you helped me out of that situation. Well, you have yes. to get the mortgage and that. And situation. I was so new in mortgages at that time. Like we, when we, it's funny. Cause like when you and I and Tom all got working together, it was actually at a time where we had all kind of, you guys had, you guys weren't in real estate, but you were investing in real estate. We had estate. just started really and investing. It was like, what was it? A year, not even maybe a year or two later. I remember you guys called me and you're like, okay, Dave. Um, oh, the, Tom was like, I'm quitting my job at Oracle. Yeah. And Nick's, Nick and I are going to build this real estate company and we want you to do all the mortgages for our investors. And I remember just being like, and I'm going to be honest, that was like, that felt like the coolest thing at the time in my career because I was so young. I was in my early 20s and it's like, two really smart guys that are investors are coming to me and saying, we're going to start a real estate company and we want to partner with you because we want you to do, you know, we're happy with you doing mortgages. So I remember that, that, that was actually like a very big confidence booster for me in my career. Cause it was like, man, these guys, like not only that, I remember it was weird. I, I felt a weird bit of pressure because I remember it was funny. Tom, like, let's be realistic. I mean, I'm not gonna put the number out there, but Tom was making like Tom was making money. He, he wasn't. He, uh, well, he wasn't doing bad at Oracle. Well, Tom shared that our accountant at the time looked at him and said, "Told him he was crazy." He's like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, because I thought the same thing. I mean, because you got to understand, like at that time in mortgages, you know, I was this early on. I hadn't seen so many T fours, and I remember at the time Tom's T four. I mean, I, I don't know. No, he was making. Good, it, it was good. It was good. He money. was doing well. I mean, he, and he was he, earning it. Like you yeah. know, he's producing results, and but yeah, but he was making good. And for me, sure. as the mortgage guy, I was like, wow, this is like this. I love working with T yeah. fours with this income. I can do a lot. 
And then I remember him going, I'm going to quit and become self-employed. I remember just like in my mind, there was, it was a weird thing, right? For me as the mortgage broker. Cause I'm like, oh, that sucks. Cause now I can't get Tom any more mortgages, <laughs> but wait, Tom's going to start a company with Nick and potentially I'm going to get a lot more mortgages. So I remember it was a very interesting thing for me because I was like, are these guys crazy? But we had always talked a lot. And I remember that was at the time when rent to own was like you would, and you, I will say this, you guys, you know, it's so funny. Like when I think about this stuff, cause like no one. You know, you never talk about when you, you started it, but yeah. like you guys would go out to the States. I remember you guys would be like, yo, we were just out in like St. Louis or some like crazy place. And you're like, we were just at a conference and you know what? We're picking up on this rent to own thing. And I remember, and then rent to own all of a sudden in Canada, you guys brought it in. I mean, you, it, it's funny because anyone right now that's listening to this, that's like, oh yeah, I heard rent to own. I remember rent to own. They won't know. They won't know the truth. The truth is you and Tom brought rent to own to Canada in real estate. And no matter what, everyone, anyone who wants to claim that they did too, you're a liar. You're a liar. <laughs> and I know these guys, you guys brought that entire strategy. And certainly that strategy is not a strategy that necessarily is going to work today with the prices, but you guys brought that. And a lot of people also don't realize, and it's funny because I was having this conversation, like in part of the conversation I was having, I was explaining how you guys did something very, very, very interesting and something that is now done by almost any real estate agent that's working with investors. But you guys were prospectors. You guys went to areas like you started in Hamilton. And then once you felt Hamilton prices were getting saturated because you and your investors were buying them up, you were already figuring out the next areas to go to. And a lot of people won't even know this Cambridge. Guess what? Cambridge was like the second major city that Rockstar at the time it was income for life went into because you went from Hamilton. You started trying to find outliers. You might remember more than, yeah. than I do then. It was Cambridge. Then it was Kitchener. Yeah. Waterloo. Over to Guelph. Brantford, I guess. Eventually you ended up at Brantford. But you guys were constantly looking at the next area that you could bring to your investors that had value. We bought Burlington townhomes. So, so first of all, I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> that wasn't to kiss your ass. That's no, more or less. No, no. I, I have these conversations a lot with people because yeah. they ask me, like I get a lot of questions about that. And it's just funny because you, I always say, Nick and Tom were prospectors, man. They, they were, they were on the ground. They were like going to these cities and actually like going there and seeing where the school systems were. And it wasn't in 2005, there wasn't the Google and everything wasn't as like popular and people don't realize that. Cause they think Google's been around forever, but it's like, you guys were boots on the ground. I was laughing about this with my wife the other day. I was like, you know, when I started doing this, I was printing out, so at least we had access to MapQuest. We didn't have to do yes. anything, but I was printing out like the map and then, you know, driving yep. to the properties. Yep. But like the rent to own strat, the thing about the rent to own strategy is we probably popularized in this area because we did a bunch of them with a lot of investors. Massive. So in the, the GTA, we had to really educate people when we first started doing it. Yep. There were a handful of people doing like, you know, I would see ads. It was like lease with the option to buy. The thing is just that little twist on words and making it rent to own from a marketing strategy Massive. really made a difference. And it well, made lease it own just sounds clear. crappy. Yeah. It made it very clear. Most people, a lot of people were advertising with lease with the option to buy. No, that's just like, a, ter that's a terrible tag. Yeah. Line, so it was just, but, um, 
Yeah, it was. But and I remember when we first started, we went. Tom, we split up, and I'm like, okay, Tom. Yeah. He, he, Tom's like, I'm gonna go to this Hamilton place, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to Burlington. I'm gonna look for. An like Tom, make sure you have a bulletproof vest on. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> at and the I, time, and I was going to Burlington. I knew nothing about Burlington at the time. We grew up on the east side of Mississauga. Burlington, even Burlington, was like the edge of the earth to us at that yep. time when I was younger, right? So I was driving around Burlington, and, and Tom was driving around Hamilton. And we talked afterwards. I'm like, yeah, I think I found some couple good areas. He's like, I found this area, like. The Hamilton Mountain. It's like some of these areas we've seen in the U.S. with these kind of old kind of starter homes. Though. Yep. And then we looked up prices and and yeah, it worked. And then we were also doing um, the Burlington properties. We started really with townhomes yep. when we were doing rent owns. We were buying those townhomes. Do you remember like about two fifty? Yep. Those townhomes. Those. And at that time, remember you guys were telling me that was too expensive. You guys, well, I don't know if this is going to work. It's very expensive. Well, compared to two hundred <laughs> detached in Hamilton, <laughs> yep. and then so yep. you know, but then those those pro, like the people that are early investors with us that bought some of those properties, they just it, uh, if they're holding any right now, they're laughing. Well, they, we're, you know some four, of, you know some of them some of those yeah, yeah you know some of them the same ones I'm you know I yep. know and, and yep. it's worked out very well and you know but but anyways yeah it's been a. Uh, yeah, it's been a journey, and we couldn't do it without mortgages. And I know that an investor is kind of like a lot. You guys, you you and your team helped a lot of people, right? So it's it's kind of worked out that way. But um, I want to ask you one other thing before we kind of get going. I know we're, we're catching up on time here, but um, uh, oh, back in uh, I can't even read my own writing. Oh. The, <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know we're old, man. We are old. Oh, I, here's what. Yeah, here's what it was. In 25. Yes. Okay, so the next big, so I know 24 has more renewals than 23. 25 is when it really starts to get big, right? 25 yep. to kind of 26. 26 right? gets crazy, yeah. Yeah. So what, if rates are where they are today. Yes. Okay. So let's say, call it, uh, let's call it a 5% five-year fix. Sure. You, you did a ton of these mortgages that are coming up for renewal. Yes. So you saw the people that were getting these mortgages. You saw their incomes, their yep. credit scores, whatever. If rates are where they are today. Yes. Do things break? Yes. I, well, I mean, I don't want to say, I, no, it's no, probably I, sick that I say that that fast. Yeah, no, I think, well, the only reason I say it so fast because I think about it on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, I'm consi- I, I consider this because I do believe we're in a very, we are in a very, very interesting time that I don't, and I think some people are, are oblivious to it. And if they are, that's great. Good for you. Cause the less time you have to think about bad things, the better, but yeah, no, I, I think if rates are where they are at today and I, I, 5% is a generous rate, generally speaking yeah, yeah, today. Yeah. And so if those people are going from 2.89 to 5%, I think there is a lot, a lot of people so that, that are going really to be in where, financial stress. And if they're where most of them are today, I, and I guess that's probably closer to what, five and a half to six? Depends on the term, yeah. But I mean, okay. yeah, rates are not not nice. Fives so, and sixes so are, dis- they're, 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 look, they're, I will say this. I think it, it, I think it even almost in a way, it goes without saying. Tiff Macklem is already saying we're about to hit major pain and that rates are likely going to start coming down. So that, that, that should be telling us it feels that's like a the, signal. Yeah. The signal is things are messed up. If people have to start renewing at, if, if, if there ends up being over the course of a three or four year period where almost everyone in that three or four year period was renewing at five or 6%, yeah, it's the good. amount of money that is going to be taken out of the economy is got to be scary for them. 
It has to be. Well, and it's, and it, you know, so on the flip side, we talk about the government side a lot, but the amount of money going into interest payments on the government debt oh, that's skyrocketed as Look well. Look at the U.S. They their their interest payments. Their yeah. in just the interest payments alone are rivaling their military. The amount of money they spend on their military. Yeah, they're almost they're approaching a trillion dollar. Like yeah. it's it's yeah. Well, this is. I think this goes without saying. I think you and I we talk about this a lot because we're nerds, but the system is broken. And the people that are running the show are just simply trying to make it so that doesn't completely fall apart. But an election year in the U.S. is next year. Yeah. And how can no, they this have- year? Well, no, sorry. You're right. So, well, I'm already thinking since. I'm in January. But yeah, so the election's <laughs> coming up. Yes. How can they keep rates high and keep this pressure on? I know the bank's independent. Yeah, right. But it's supposed to be. But how are they able to keep rates high and keep the economy you know, squeezing the economy and have any hope of the incumbent president getting reelected. It's, it's very, very unlikely like that those two things almost never, ever, ever go together. And it, it feels like that's why the feds already, because wh- I was like, why would the fed come out? All that was red? crazy, by the way. Yeah, that was insane I know. to go from hawkish. And then the month, the next month, fully dovish yeah like it i'm like what is going on here that was weird i actually thought i gotta be i gotta be honest i thought they would there would be like a transition in the language where it goes from hawkish to like yeah we're like chilling for a bit but like to actually come out and state from the month previous you said he literally said you know we think we think we're at a good spot but we're ready to continue to increase rates to the very next meeting a month later saying that you know we feel like we've done the right job and that we're already looking at cuts in 2024 like you saw what the stock market did over the over the course of two or three days after that i mean that was actually such an insane statement to make yeah i just saw this this one today from the um the, this was in the Wall Street Journal. One of the, the San Francisco Fed president said, in quotes, we don't, uh, so they said, central bank must make sure, and then in quotes, we don't give price stability, but take away jobs. Yep. So again, another dovish statement. Yeah. Because they're saying they might, you know, they could. Well, they're scared. That they're rates scared could be them. needed, right? Yeah. So it's really, it's, it's uh, yeah. It's broken. Listen, if the biggest economy in the entire world the guy who's in charge of interest rates there says one month that he's ho- he has hawkish language. <laughs> yeah. And the next month, if that doesn't tell in the next month, he's dovish. If that doesn't tell you that the entire system is, 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 is on shaky knees, then I don't, I don't know what else is that things change. They just don't change that fast. Like if no. you have access to the data, they don't change that fast. No, right? they don't. And so I, yeah, I wonder, was it politically motivated? I mean, you know, and, and I think that was someone like me and you who study this stuff and we're just complete nerds about that, that I did not expect that that was actually complete. And I know the market didn't expect that. And the crazy part is if the market doesn't expect that, that's even crazier. Yeah, because usually there's leaks going on. And of they course, can see what's going on, right? Of course. Um, okay, cool. So we're we're almost out of time. This, this was right. actually a good, interesting conversation. But hey, I just want to ask you: your next year, yes, you are doing something. We'll we'll have you back to discuss it more. But just so everyone, so it's on everyone's radar. Yeah, kind of cool what you're doing. So you're calling it the Dave Butler 100. The Dave Butler 100. Right. So I have been super blessed in my life uh, and in my career that I've been able to work with lots of real estate investors and I've been able to help them, um, you know, achieve their goals and their dreams. And that's been cool. And I've obviously built a great career out of that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm now, I have a child. I don't know. You have so many things, so many, you know, 
your reflection time is different now. Uh, I think differently. I know you, damn, you've, we've talked yeah, about this. Those before. damn kids change everything. They, they literally change your entire outlook on life. And you know, I want to, you know, I, I'm in an interesting, right? I have my child later in my life. So, you know, he's kind of seeing me in this like semi retirement where I'm kind of like just moving puppet strings, if you will. And I kind of want him to see, the real Dave, but I want him to grow up and see how his dad really built his company, not as like some, you know, guy just, you know, in a CEO role. So, you know, and I wanted to also give back in a weird way. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but when you're working with real estate investors, those mortgages are not eligible for the lowest rates in the country. There's very limited amount of lenders you know that we can even use for investor mortgages. And those lenders cap, first of all, rental, rental mortgages have higher rates than owner-occupied mortgages. And then the banks that you're dealing with that will do the rentals, they're not as open and liberal to things that you can do, i.e. giving up commission to get my client a lower rate. A lot of those banks won't allow that on rental stuff. So in reality, if you come to me, Nick, and you've come to me and I get you a mortgage and we talk about it and I go, yeah, I wish it was your owner occupied because if it was your owner occupied home, I can get you a 10 times better rate than what you're getting now on this rental. So I thought about that a lot and obviously I wanted to do something. I I tried to think of something cool and what I did is I actually did like a weird, I did an audit of my time. I actually did an audit to figure out like based on all my different, you know, the companies that I own, I own a brokerage, I own, you know, what do I do? Hey, like what, what's my time? How much time would I have to put into a project to try to help other Canadians? And so I figured out that based on my time audit that I did, that I could probably help a hundred Canadian families that are looking for a mortgage for their owner-occupied home. And that's really, you gotta be very careful here because rentals, I can't get the super lowest rate. It's just not possible. Yeah, yeah, the, the, banks, owner, the banks have the, different rules. The banks yeah. have set it so that you can't get the same rates as rental and owner-occupied. So I would like to spend the time that I figured out that I can within my days that I can allocate to this project to help a hundred Canadian families get the absolute lowest rate. And what this means, and when I say that, I'm talking about literally giving up as much of the commission that I would be able to get, that I'd be getting from that bank, what they call it, I, don't, I hate the word commission, finder's fee. The finder's fee, I can actually give that up to produce a lower rate. And so that was something I want to do. And so what we've decided is starting March 1st next year, I'm going to introduce this Dave Butler 100, 100 Canadian families, and you're getting to work with me. Like it's not, again, a lot of people like, if you know you work with me, you end up working with my team. No, no, this I'm putting as me. You're going to work, I'm going to be doing the phone call. I, it's going to be my cell phone. That's going to be the 100 people. You're going to have my cell phone. You can text me, you can call me, whatever it is. And I'm going to be available to 100 Canadian families to get them the absolute lowest rate possible. Again, it only works for owner-occupied, um, but that's something we're doing. And we're going to put out, you know, I'm, I got a website currently being developed for it. And that is my way of kind of giving back. I've, I'm super blessed. Like, I, I there's, look, I, we just talked about, I was on a vacation in Europe for three months. I was in the mountains in Canada for two months snowboarding. I am super, super lucky. I've been able to meet people like you and Tom and, and, and Mike DeZormo and everyone else at Rockstar. And, and just, I've been super blessed. And I don't know what it is, but I have this feeling that I want to give back and I want to, you know, get back into the, it's weird. I, I don't know about you, but like, this is kind of like, I was thinking about this on the drive in. I was like, this is kind of like Tom and Nick going out and showing homes again. It's, it's kind of nice. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I want to, I'm like, I'm, I'm excited to do this. Like I want to do this. It's different. Yeah, that's cool. I recently bought a clothes on a property that I, I, have with well you know you guys did the mortgage yeah. so um and this one's close to home and it's because I wanted my kids involved and I've shared that before and you know I was kind of like 
you know, because I had to do it and show them I, I was the one doing everything again. <laughs> yep. And and yeah, there was a lot of pain in the butt to it. I was like, oh my God, I forgot how to do this little thing. Yep. And how do we do this now? But and, it's different and it's fun. But it was cool. Once it was done, I was like, oh yeah, because th there's always been that satisfaction. Yes. You know, and yes. um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, yeah. Anyways. Well, as you grow companies, look, you, as you, 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 know, you and Tom are in a, a unique position. You, you've grown a company from literally something that started from nothing and, and is similar to me. Yep. And so I think we get lost sometimes. Of you course. Know, we yeah. get, we, 20 years in, 15 years in, you end up becoming in a position where there's things that I loved doing that I'm not doing anymore. And, and so for me, it was like, you know, and it's funny you say that because it was like, I remember I did a couple like owner-occupied mortgages for you know, investors that wanted to just get their owner-occupied mortgage. I remember thinking like, man, that was so much easier. Like, yeah. That was so cool. And I didn't have to spend so much time on it because you're not, you're not planning. Like when you're doing mortgages for investors, there's a, a planning aspect that always has to be constantly in the conversation of when you're, when you're moving their mortgages around. But with owner-occupied, I don't have to yeah. do that. And I can just get the bare bones mortgage brokering. And I, first of all, selfishly, I find that easier but also I find it a bit more rewarding because you know, when it's your owner occupied home, that's, that's your house. And I, I did a bit of math and I thought to myself, look, if in one year I help a hundred Canadian families save $10,000 over a five year period. So say if they take a five year term, yep. if I'm able to get them a rate that saves them $10,000, yeah, that's a hundred people. It's a million bucks, my man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, that's, that's, that's cool. If I can take them and it's a, it's a pittance, but if I can take a million dollars out of those banks' pocket no, and put it in my customers' pocket, I love that idea. It, it makes a, that makes a real difference for people, man. Especially with where, where things are now, you know. That, every that dollar makes, makes every dollar goes far. These yeah. like, well, it goes less, and I want to make yeah. every dollar go a little bit farther for them. So what? Um, so then, so the website's being developed for this. This isn't yeah. until March. This That's is not Dave now. Butler. So, so how do people follow? How do people follow you so they know? Like, where do people like? First of all, if someone <laughs> wants to reach out to you now about something, well, I've always been hidden, right? So I mean, they always like. For a while there, I've stayed hidden because I just I like to stay in the back and do the underwriting, and I, you know, I, I used to have obviously everyone else in front, but this this one this will be me. So the website's going to be DaveButler.ca. It's being developed right now. Okay, so, but there's no Dave Butler. Okay, so DaveButler.ca in the that's, future. That's 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 March first. It's launched. It's going to be there. If you need, to, if you want to follow me anywhere, I'm on Instagram. I'm at Dave Butler MTG. So Dave Butler, it's like acronym Short for mortgage. Um, at Dave Butler MTG on Instagram. I think I'm going to start getting a, a YouTube channel. I'm mean, really gonna I really want to promote this I really want to I, I, I this is a big for me I it's a big it's a big venture it's it's you know at the end of the day I think in what's cool what, sadly if I'll say what's cool about it is that you know like we're putting my child in daycare soon so I thought to myself okay like this is it I got I got some extra hours I want to put this in I want to do this so yeah so follow me on Instagram uh, Dave Butler MTG and then I'll have my website DaveButler.ca ready and of course you know still run all my brokerages and everything else but uh, yeah this is a side project that I'm really excited about and okay. uh, anyone who needs to contact me if you want to be part of the hundred let me know I, I, I'm excited I'm I, I, and, and, and again it's just me it's me and one underwriter I'm not looking to build a squad that's not turning this into a business this is just every year for as long as I can until maybe I have the next kid is I want to help a hundred Canadian yeah, families. Very so. cool, man. Yeah, that Thank sounds you. good. Thank you. Dave. Thanks for bringing me thanks. on by the way. No, dude. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for drink, thanks drinking. Thanks for the tequila, tequila and uh, yeah. shout out to 
Terramana tequila. Hey, 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 hey. We're supposed to keep that quiet, Dave. All right. All right. I already we like eighty dollar we like eighty dollar bottles versus the four hundred dollar bottles. Yeah, I can I already imagine it's a three hundred dollar bottle. You know what we're like gonna do? Months. I should do um around Christmas when I have people over whenever we get together, we're gonna do blind taste tests. I love those. I love seeing those on Instagram. Those are so cool. Five different bottles and see who likes what. I already know. I'm going to, I will pick out the 1942 in a heartbeat. I already know that. (laughs) Now I know not to bring you anymore. No, no. You guys got it for me. And we crushed it that summer. Remember you brought it to the cottage and we crushed it. But I mean, I think, and then someone, I've had Azul, but then it's oddly enough, I'm telling you, I've been, the Casamigos has been my tequila for a long time now. Cool, Dave. Thank Thank you, you. man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. So we hope you enjoyed that, everyone. Um, 2023 really contains some interesting times for everyone, uh, all sorts of businesses. People have had to navigate through a number of different things, whether in business or personally with the changing economic landscape and borrowing costs and that type of thing. So it's it's been interesting. So it was interesting to hear how kind of Dave, you know, has changed a couple of things and what he's focusing on next year. And we've shared some of the stuff that we've done in Rockstar as well. So we're looking forward to 2024 where it's about time to kind of leave that the 2023 is one of the few years we were happy to leave in the past a little bit. And, and look forward to the, to, to the future ones as there's a lot of good stuff happening and a lot of opportunity for all of us. So we hope you enjoy that. And until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>